We are a couple of weeks into the CFL season, so I thought it's a pretty good time to kind of go over the, the lay of the land with uh, a couple of great people to talk about the league with. John Bender and Randy Chevrier joining the program. Uh, gentlemen, Chevy, we'll start with you. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Uh, this is this is cool to do this with you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Happy, uh, happy you're able to do it. Bender, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. It's great to great to be on with another former alumni and Randy. I really enjoy playing with Randy, so I'm sure I'll enjoy talking with him here too. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this for sure. And I wanted to uh, when I, I set this up, I was like, okay, well, one of the things we'll talk about is how positive things have been around the CFL because I think it's been uh, pretty upbeat so far. Um, and I say that not as someone who's a fan of either team in this province, so that's great. Uh, but then Bo Levi Mitchell goes and breaks his leg, and it just kind of felt like a Ugh. Like as, as much as I enjoy the futility of the Calgary Stampeders, and I'm not used to that, uh, you, you want the best players in the league to be playing. So uh, I guess, Chevy, your reaction when we heard that Bo Levi Mitchell was going to be out for a minute now. Yeah, I'll, uh, be, before I talk about his injury, I'll take it back to something was wrong last week. Uh, you know, I, I had said it on Twitter and stuff, and something looked uncharacteristically wrong with the offense. Uh, you know, four picks and uh, – you know, some of the throws were, were way off and, you know, you're wondering, is it, is it a timing thing? Is it young receivers? Is it was bow off? And, you know, lo and behold, uh, we find the answer to that. He's playing with a broken leg. So first thing is like, it's two things, you know, one I felt, God, you know, can they catch a break and, you know, the, uh, pardon the pun, but uh, you know, it, it, I mean, he's the heart and soul of the team. He's uh you know, it's not like back in the days when we had, you know, a Drew Tate as a backup or a Bull Levi Mitchell as a backup or a Kevin Glenn as a backup. Uh, you know, um, it, it, it's it's a little scary for the Stamps. And, uh, you know, I know Bo's optimistic and I love his grit. Uh, he's optimistic to come back early, but it's a broken bone in his leg. And, um, you know, he, he's going to be out for at least four weeks. And that's huge. So uh, a little scary. Uh, for the stamps, because obviously you, like you said, you want to see the best players play. But you know, I'm I, I'm personally a fan of the Stampeders, and you know, I want to see them do well. And and uh, you know, I'm a little, a little scared. But I, the other breath I was thinking about is like, how tough was Bo to play a full, full game on a broken leg, yeah. knowing that even, even after he got it shot up, uh, he was still feeling the pain, and he knew something was wrong. And you know, if anything, it, it might not help in terms of performance, but it sure sets the tempo for the type of uh, character that, uh, you know, the organization expects from its players. And hopefully they'll rally around that and, uh, you know, play some good football in the coming weeks. Well, and Bender, we, we can talk about how basically anyone who's not on the line on either side of it, pushing each other 50 times a game, uh, can talk about like pretty boys and stuff like that with quarterbacks. But when uh, a quarterback is out doing that, I, I would imagine that the rest of the locker room takes notice, hey? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to fire everybody up. I mean, Bo's, Bo's a gamer. He's going to be out there if he's given the opportunity. I mean, I, my understanding is that uh, they didn't know that his leg was broken before he got out there. They thought he had a deep uh, muscle bruise or whatever in his calf. And uh, come to be when they, you know, did some more tests, they found out that there was a crack in there. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, I mean, everybody's played around a quarterback that threw a big block or made a big play when they needed to, and it fires up the rest of the team. They know that we're all in this together and we all want to win football games. And, uh, you know, Bo's got to be the leader in that team. You know, they play on the youngest team in the CFL. 
Bo's, you know, a guy that's been around. He eats up a good portion of the salary cap for a reason. And, uh, you know, he's got to be a guy that steps up and he's, he's got to be a big leader for the team. From an, an on-the-field perspective, um, to, to your guys' point, like it, it did look like something was off this year. And, and Bo, after week one, talked about not necessarily having the confidence. Uh, Bender, back to you. How much, from an on-the-field standpoint, even when Bo comes back, because you, you don't just get that confidence from seeing the guy do it. There's reps that you, like, I know I can throw this ball in this spot and this guy can catch it. How much, uh, I guess, after a year and a half off, basically, how much of a, a detriment is this to, to kind of getting that confidence with a receiver core that he's not necessarily familiar with yeah i mean i mean i think bo's a confident player i think that there was players around him that were you know should like we say you know call it you know you were having problems you were shooting yourselves in the foot you know you look at early in the game in the first game of the season it was second and four and every offensive lineman know that they're, they're going to go into a hard count second and four near the goal line every offensive lineman bo knows first thing right let's go into hard count try to draw the defense offside we'll get a quick five-yard penalty it'll be first and goal inside the five we'll punch it in. it'll be easy and you know the right tackle and the stampeders on that play went offside and they went to second and nine they settled for field goal and there's been too much of that right too much of settling for field goals and Bolivar Mitchell, especially in McMahon Stadium, especially over the last, you know, seven, eight years, hasn't been settling for field goals. They've been, you know, finding opportunities to get it in the end zone every chance they can. And, you know, this young team, young offense, new guys in new places, a new offensive line, you know, they had some guys retire. They got some new guys they brought in. You know, it just takes time to gel, right? They got to go through, usually you go through a full training camp, two preseason games, then you start the season. Well, they've played two games now it probably feels like it would at a regular start of the season and they got to hit the ground running from here or else so you know they don't want to go you know end up 0 and 4 0 and 5 or any of that mess and, and chevy it's looked like two preseason games even though they, they count in the standings it hasn't really looked like calgary stampede or football um they would have i would say every opportunity to kind of fold up shop your own two two games at home there are two teams in your division who are two and oh um i would imagine someone probably has to step up and be like hey Let's kind of cut this shit out and get going here. Um, what do you think that the mood in that locker room is right now? You know, again, before knowing Bo's injury, um, I, I was of the mindset that, you know what, the focus is going to be uh, turnovers and penalties. And 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 that's what, it, what it's going to be again. It's going to be about playing fundamental football. Obviously, they're missing Bo, and that's a huge blow to them. But – but as, as John pointed out, you know, Bo didn't, didn't go offside. Bo, Bo didn't have some of the penalties they had. Uh, and those are things that are uncharacteristic of Stan Peters football. And so you win, uh, you know, two or three of those battles, penalties, turnovers, and then you, you take care of the special teams game. And I thought the special teams looked, looked very good. I mean, Renee looked great. Uh, the punting game looked good. The coverage looked good. Good punt return. So uh, there, there's some good things that came out of that game. But – uh, definitely things need to clean up. I don't, I don't ever see a Stampeder team uh, that has a quit attitude. Uh, I, I think, you know, like it, it's just, it's not in their DNA. Their DNA comes from the top. And, you know, if, if anyone had that attitude, he wouldn't be there. Uh, you know, Huff runs a real tight ship. Uh, it sure would be nice for a young quarterback to have that safety blanket receiver like, you know, Nick Lewis had been in the past for some guys like Mark Way McDaniel had been like Eric Rogers had been. We don't I don't see it. 
So that I, I think someone's going to have to step up big time. And the other thing I don't see uh, is, a, is, a, is I haven't seen a threat from the run game. Like it just, if it, it doesn't look threatening, uh, it allows, uh, you know, allows another guy to drop back into coverage. If, it, you know, if it, it just, it didn't feel like the Stampeders running game of old. And that running game of old is what, you know, helped establish Bo as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, because, you know, you had a guy like Cornish running the ball. You had a guy like Messon, uh, you know, and, 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 and a couple of guys that followed there. And, and, it, you know, I'm, I'm not taking anything away because I mean, the difference between the best and the worst is minuscule when you in any position, right. you know, but, but whether it's, you know, scheme, effort, talent, there's something that it just, you know, the last two games they played, it didn't look so threatening. And and that, you know, that doesn't help a young quarterback going into a game. So so there's going to be some things they have to do to 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 uh, uh, to tighten up and, and to, to really get some offensive production. Because, again, that's that's where we saw, uh, you know, the need, you know, the defense, I thought they did a, did a great job considering, you know, they got four extra series that they had to be on, you know, as a result of, of turnovers. Right. So, uh, you know, when those things start coming together, everyone plays a little bit better. And Bender, to, to Chevy's point there in the run game, um, that that's especially now with what looks like it's going to be an inexperienced quarterback, uh, that's something that kind of needs to get going because the worst place in the league for a quarterback to be in is second and long. When, when a team knows, oh, you have to throw and you've never done this before? Lovely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we always say that football is an easy game if you can stay ahead of the chains. So if you can keep that ball moving, keep going in the right direction, you know, the football becomes easier, your whole playbook's available. When it's, you know, second and short, you can play action, you can run again, you can go up top if you want to. You can do everything you want. That whole playbook's available to you. But if it's second and long, or you get a penalty on first down, it's first and long, that playbook, you know, that, that whole game script gets really tight and there's different things you have to do and it's easier for the defense to tee off on you. And as an offensive lineman, it's easier to go forward than to, you know, try to play this finesse game and pass protect. What you want to do is, you know, be here. I'm most offensive linemen are bigger and stronger than the guy across from them. Let's go take them for a ride. That's a lot more fun. <laughs> Sounds like it anyway. Um, uh, but uh, uh, to my point before the, the bow injury, it did kind of feel like things are going in the right direction for the CFL. And I get it's easy to go in the right direction when the last direction was stopped for a season. But and maybe this is just uh, I'm not where I used to work anymore. And anytime I talk about the league, I'm not getting a thousand texts about how stupid I am. Um, now it's just my wife who tells me that. But um, it, it does kind of feel from my perspective, like things are moving in the right direction. Uh, Chevy, am I off on that? Is this just blind optimism or do you feel like things are actually kind of going well for the CFL right now? You know, I think there's that, uh, man, we're just so glad that football's back uh, mantra that's, mm -hmm. that's going around. And I am too. I went, uh, I was in Edmonton the week before and uh, I was in Calgary for, for uh, last week's game and got to see uh, two games that, you know, in, in regular times I would have said, man, what stinkers, but at the same time, I was just so happy to be in the stadium watching football, seeing some big athletic plays, and make no mistake, even the stinkers of the games, there's some fantastic plays. So, so that's all fine and dandy. But I mean, if if you know when when that starts wearing off, there's a little bit of dirt on it. Uh, you're gonna start looking back, and you know if, if the league doesn't proactively, uh, you know, look at 
the year that was or the two years that was that led into COVID and some of the issues they have and, and those underlying issues that really affect, you know, the model of what the game is, uh, you know, we can wind up in the same situation. I think it's, it's tenuous at best, you know, like I, I've said on Twitter, those of you that follow me, uh, you know, I love the league. I love the league. Like you love your brother that always gets in trouble. And it's like, I'll always be there, but, you know, sometimes you just want to slap him in the face to wake <laughs> up. Right? And, uh, and, and that's what I feel about the CFL. Like, you know, the problems aren't solved. Everyone's happy. Football's back. TSN gets to talk about it every, but the problems aren't solved. The, the issues they had with the players the year before are going to be the issues they're going to have next year. Yeah. They settled on an agreement to get guys out to play in this and that, but, but there's a lot of issues that plague the CFL uh, relationship issues, business model issues. And, you know, just because th they're operational and we're watching it on the field doesn't mean it's fixed. Uh, Bender, I guess just the, the follow-up to that, um, is this just a absence made the heart grow fonder? And then well, when we kind of get into October, November, we, we kind of remember, oh, right, there were, there were some problems here. You know, it'll be really interesting to see where the TV numbers go from here. I know that they've had inflated TV numbers for the first few weeks. I do think that there's a lot of people that, you know, they really recognize that they did miss the CFL when it was gone. And, you know, maybe there's entertainment dollars. You know, I've talked to different people who, you know, there's things they want to do, things they can't do. A lot of people's lives have changed in the last year and a half. And where are they focusing their entertainment dollars? Well, with a pandemic that may or may not be over, depending on who you talk to, some people are going to stadiums and some people are more comfortable staying at home. And I think that the Stampeders have always done a good job having that 20 to 24,000 season ticket holders that come to every game. And when the green guys are in town, maybe there's an extra 5,000 for either team. But, you know, we've all been to McMahon Stadium and it's okay when there's 20 to 25,000 or a few more there, but it's a special place when there's 30,000 plus. And, you know, as somebody that's played, Randy, you've played, you know, it's a different vibes, different energy when that place is full. And, you know, when you go to any stadium in the CFL and it's full. So, you know, I'm always asking, what can the CFL do or the Stampeders do to go from good attendance to great attendance? And what can they do from good TV numbers to great TV numbers? And are they willing to invest into that to get to that next level? Because, you know, theoretically, when we look at it, you know, the NCAA has an inferior product on the field. The players in the NCAA are not as good as the players that are in the CFL. I was an NCAA all-conference player. I had a hard time getting on the field in the CFL. And I think a lot of people will say the same thing or a similar thing. And when you look at the product, you know, if there's a billion dollars being made on the NCAA, you look at the CFL and think, you know, we have a better product. How do we you know, create as much revenue as possible as they can from it, create a better business model, get players paid more, get sponsorships, corporate stadiums filled up, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what Randy says. There's frustrations watching it because you just you think it should be better. Well, and to, to, to carry on the, the metaphor that Randy brought up earlier, it's your, your older brother who sometimes you just want to smack him. And then we found out they ran to mom and dad for money. And th this is a league that kind of has has had some money issues for basically as long as I've been alive. Um, I, I Just talking about this now, it's bringing back the memories of the, the XFL discussions. And I get... 
I get so frustrated sometimes because I love this league so much. I grew up in Saskatchewan. I remember waiting outside at Taylor Field for Reggie Slack's autograph. Like I, 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 I love this league and want to see it grow. But the entire conversation of, okay, th- this league needs more revenue, needs to grow. All right, what are we willing to change? Literally nothing. Hmm. Like it just, it, it gets, it, it gets so, and I'm just from the outside. You, you guys have been in this from the, the player's perspective, but just from a fan, Randy, it gets so goddamn frustrating sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I love the CFL. I love the Canadian content. I love, I love everything about our game, Yeah. but in order to grow it, in order to keep a team in Saskatchewan that is called the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, something needs to change. Something's got to change. Because, yeah, it caters to everyone that was there and everyone that came back. But I don't think the CFL attracted any new fans over the pandemic. They came back right at the, you know, right at the, the tail end of the Olympics. Maybe because there's nothing else really going on now that the Olympics are done. Uh, hockey hasn't started. NFL's not started. Maybe we, they, they slotted in a nice little niche to get those TV numbers. But, I mean... Uh, I remember during the pandemic, people were watching friggin' uh, Korean baseball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so as John said, the numbers might be inflated, but but the fact of the matter is, to attract new fans, you got to do new things. And I've had, I listen, I had, I predicted the Rock discussions, the 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 instant the Rock took over the XFL, and people laughed at me then. And then I talked about it again when it became more serious, and. Again, diehard CFL fans were, were mad at me because I said, you know, we have to do something about the Canadian ratio. Not that I'm de- diminishing Canadian players, but the market is in the States. There's 36 million people in Canada. That's less than the state of California. If you want to make uh, get market share in, in that country, you have to do something that caters to them. It's not like, it's not like bringing an American product to Europe or bringing it to an Asian country where they're just dying for American stuff. Like when I played in, in uh, NFL Europe, we played in Spain. Spain could care less about NFL Europe. We went to Germany. Well, every single stadium was just about sold out because they eat American, right? America doesn't eat Canadian. So in order for us to get people to um, – see what we have, we have to kind of alter it a little bit. We have to package it a little bit differently. And unfortunately, that's going to get people mad in this country. But I had a, I had a, I had a, you know, one solution to the roster issue is, well, if you join, let's say they join forces with the XFL, that would create, I believe, 18 teams, decrease the ratio per team. But when you add that to to uh, nine other teams, you actually, in effect, increase the number of Canadians that get professional football opportunities. And in the end, that's what you want. You don't want to just play Canadians to play them. You want to play Canadians that deserve to play there. And there are a number of them that do. The ratio helps that. But if you if you overinflate the value of the Canadian football player in in a North American market, well, then you're going to hurt you're going to hurt both games. Like Mm -hmm. if the Rock comes in and had to put, you know, half his roster Canadians, well, ask any CFL uh, talent evaluator. And it's like, once you get past the first two rounds in the CFL draft, it's pretty slim. So we, 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 you know, we can furnish about, you know, uh, I don't know, 15 quality guys on 18 teams, but, but, you know, let's not overinflate. Like let's, let's be realistic and let's change it. So it can grow, but it's hard. You got the diehards just screaming bloody murder if you touch the game, right? And mm-hmm. and I understand it. 
but you want to see it grow. The, their argument is, well, it's survived this long, but you know, it's always been on a shoestring. And it's, it's sad to see that it's just kind of being tugged along as the kid brother to every other major sport. And it might always be that, but it's never had an opportunity to be, to be more. That, that college thing uh, I think is interesting because Bender, when we watched the, the NFL, like you, you played um, NCAA football, a lot of those guys were stars when they were playing NCAA football. And the conversation about guys who get drafted into the NFL is like, okay, well, this guy's going to make an immediate impact here in Canada. It's okay. Well, you play a Canadian here, then you get to play an American somewhere else. And I feel like the conversation around Canadian players coming into the league, I, I don't th- I, I don't say just, well, talk glowingly about every Canadian coming in. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, I think there needs to be a level of attention also given to whatever they're, I think it's U-Sport now. I was going to say CIS. I think that's two names ago. Um, but whatever they, they call it uh, now, uh, I think there's some attention paid to that so that when some of these guys are coming in, we actually know who the hell they are. Yeah, I mean, from top to bottom, 100%. I mean, you look at the, you know, in town locally, the University of Calgary Dinos. They've been a dominant team in youth sports for a decade. They should sell out. Mm-hmm. There should be 30,000 people watching Dinos games. They're lucky to get 5,000 for a lot of those games. And that doesn't make any sense to me. There should be corporate sponsors lined up because they're very successful. But for whatever reason, in Calgary, a city of 1.2 million people in the Calgary metropolitan area, there's not enough interest. Like That doesn't make any sense to me. You have a great product. You have great players. A lot of them grew up locally. A lot of them deserve to be supported. And, uh, you know, they deserve to have a great fan base, a TV contract. And, you know, you look at the Dinos, you look at other teams around here. You know, there's been, you know, a bunch of these guys end up playing CFL. A bunch of them end up as first-round draft picks. And they have a great opportunity to play. And then a lot of them end up in the business community. You can look all throughout downtown Calgary through – You know, myself as a financial planner, there's real estate agents, there's firefighters, there's lots of these, you know, Calgary Stampeders that I think make the community better. So from top to bottom, I think that the, you know, the, you know, Calgary is a better place with the Stampeders here. And I mean, I think that we need more, you know, from the grassroots grassroots on up to, you know, really make this thing grow and really make this thing better. Because as, you know, Chevy said that, you know, we want to make this, you know, CFL, you don't want to just want it to survive. You want it to, you know, thrive, be a healthy business model. I want, you know, watch guys that are making healthy incomes. When I'm hearing about guys making big money, I'm like, good for you. Now, that's a great opportunity, you know, for you to jumpstart your life, making big money in your 20s. And, I mean, I think that, you know, lots of guys feel the same way about a lot of the guys that they played with. And, I mean, just like Randy, I'm sure a lot of other guys and a lot of alumni say, we want them to have it better than we have. Well, and, and I think there, there's also a level of perception with that as well, where, oh, it's the CFL, the guys are car salesmen during the offseason and, and some things like that, where if these guys are able to make more money, I think the perception changes around the entire league, right, where people start to take it more seriously. And not that the the third string cornerback for the Sam Peters needs a house that looks like it's on MTV Cribs, Randy, but I do think that more money comes in, more money to the players, all of a sudden, Everyone loves to see people who are super rich on Instagram. You, you start to get some of these guys making a bit more money. I think everyone starts to take the league a little bit more seriously. Yeah, you know, there's an argument for that. I, I would say that, you know, if you're talking about, I, I think people just want to see, you know, they want to, they want the curtain peeled back. And, mm. and yeah, obviously lifestyles of the rich and famous, that that's kind of what seems to be the trend. But I would also argue that, 
people want to see the stories of these guys doing what they do in the off season, you know, regardless of, 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 um, regardless of what they're making, obviously you want to see, like John said, I want to see guys making more money. I want to see them, you know, I want to see this being the only job they have to do. That would be fantastic. But even in the current model, there's things that can be done, stories that can be told that aren't being told. Mm-hmm. They're not being told uh, league-wide. The league, you know, the, the CFL suffers, in my opinion, from, you know, the big fish in the little pond syndrome where, you know, uh, and the what's mine is mine, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's how it seems to be. That seems to be the relationship between the league and its players, and that's why it's tenuous at best. Uh, you know, if the league, uh, if someone shows up tomorrow and says, you know what, league, we're going to give you $7 million a year, okay, they're not going to turn around and say, well, how can we give some of this to the players and how can that help that turn that $7 million into $14 million? No, they're going to be like, yeah, we got $7 million. Let's split it amongst the owners and let's blow it. And then amongst the owners, there's no parity. And, and again, they always say parity is good for a league. And it's not just in terms of talent. It's got to be in terms of the finances. Because you know what? you got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, they tour the province of Saskatchewan year-round. They have caravans. They do things in, in towns all over, all over. you got the Edmonton Eskimos. They'll, they'll, they'll uh, go all – or sorry, Edmonton Elks. They'll go throughout the Northwest Territories to, to, to sell their team. And Calgary, we can barely – uh, do do programs within the city of uh, of Calgary, let alone go to Cochrane, uh, Chestermere, Okotoks. Like we barely get to those in the offseason. Why? Because those programs cost money. And when it's a for-profit model versus a community model, the for-profit model is not going to want to make a buck at the end of the year. They're going to want to make some substantial uh, money. Whereas a team like Saskatchewan, a team like uh, Winnipeg, I believe, a team like Edmonton, they throw everything extra into those programs and it pays off because you know what as crappy as Edmonton is uh, this year when I was at the stadium and any game I've gone since I've retired there's always a healthy crowd there and the Edmonton Elks uh, formerly Eskimos I found in that town when I walked around in Edmonton if you played for the Edmonton CFL team you were as revered uh, as loved as an Edmonton Oiler I've always found in Calgary there was this duality. Like, not that I care. I love Stampeder fans. Stampeder fans have treated me so well, and diehard Stampeder fans know. But you walk around town in Calgary, and there's the Flames fans. They uh, it treat the the the, the Stamps fans, not treat them, but you could tell that Stampeders is a second class uh, type of athlete in the eyes of Calgarians. And so that has nothing to do with the on-field product, because as John said. You know, and I know I was with the, I was at the Stamps for 11 years since 2005 to 2015. We always were a contender for a Grey Cup. For all intents and purposes, we should have been sold out every game. And and so, you know, with those things being said, there's something wrong, and it's not the on-field product. It's yeah. the way the league uh, handles its business, and I'm not just talking about business between. Uh, the players and and the owners. It's a business amongst the owners and what they can do for each other. 
Well, and, and that yeah. was one of the things that really frustrated me um, on the radio out here coming from Saskatchewan. The riders have won three great cups in my entire lifetime. And that's, and one of them is because I was a month early. Like there's, there was not a whole lot of winning on the teams that I cheered for um, growing up. And I was like, you have no idea how lucky you are to have this dynastic team here in Calgary. I've said before, and it's, I, I, I have no need to blow smoke. Um, I think they were a perfect run franchise for a lot of the time, Randy, that you were with the team and now even into now. Um, and then you look at the, the two biggest markets that you would need here in Canada, in Toronto and in Vancouver, and they're having a tough time. And Toronto, they've tried everything. Do you need star players? Ricky Ray, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, played there for a while, won championships. Do you want exciting players? tough to find more exciting players than Chad Owens and still no one cares. Um, Bender, I almost wonder watching that F1 documentary on Netflix, it gets people who aren't even sports fans waking up at three in the morning to watch the Malaysian Grand Prix. I wonder if something along those lines, like get a, a TSN camera crew. It's like, Hey, I, this might be a bit of a burden, but these guys are going to follow you around for a while and they're going to make a documentary, kind of like the, the Raptors open gym thing. Like just get something involved so we can tell these stories that Randy's talking about. Yeah, I know in the 2011 season, they had like a hard knocks version. They followed the Argos around. Oh, the Argos right. staff shut that down week two or whatever. And they said, hey, you know what? We haven't been winning. This isn't good for our system. We're going to get rid of it. So for whatever reason, there is some ideas they've tried, but they haven't seen them through. And I think that there's a big opportunity. Like you said, people really want to see what's behind this curtain. People love hard knocks. People love seeing how an NFL training camp happens. Do you think they'd love to see a CFL training camp? Do you think they'd like to see, you know, day three? Let's see what happens in practice. Let's see what's going on. Let's get a better idea. I mean, there's unlimited content on the internet about all sorts of stuff. And they could make, you know, documentaries. And this is another way to create more revenue for the league. But, I mean, there's going to be initial investment costs. And so but, but again, John, can I jump in for a second there? And yeah. I, I love your point. But, you know, that also goes back to the, to the business model. That's the CFL. It's like, oh, TSN's going to throw us $9 million. Yeah, take it. Well, what if we just take $7 million from them and we take $2 million from someone else or whatever and force a little bit of competition in terms of uh, that side of the business? Because make no mistake, their broadcast partners are part of their business model. And you know what? I love everyone on TSN individually, but I'm not I don't get like I don't get excited watching Jim Barker talk about a game. I don't get it like Davis Sant. Like I love those guys. They give good good analysis, but it's been TSN's been the same for years. You know, I don't find they're challenged to produce a better uh, in-game product. I don't, I don't, like TSN doesn't have any sort of original programming except they stick a mic on a guy and then they put the sounds of the, T uh, sounds of the CFL on Thursday. Well, give a couple of games to another broadcast partner and let's see what they do. Let's see if they do a, a hard knocks version. If they say, you know what, we're going to do this, but, but they don't, right? TSN took, or CFL took the TSN money and ran and it's, it's, it's the devil they know, right? They're not going to say, you know what, we're going to split it up and get two different broadcast partners and let them fight up. You know what I miss? I miss listening to Walby. I still remember him. I still remember Chris Cuthbert uh, on, on TV or Greg Frares. You know, those were like, there was, that was a game within a game. You know, like I'm sure that when, you know, if TSN gets their ratings ass kicked by CBC on a CFL broadcast, 
they they challenge themselves. It's a matter of professional pride. What what is what does Huff always say? He always used to say, "You bring in competition because that breeds the best." You got no competition and you get complacent. And and honestly, uh, TSN makes changes because guys move on. That's that's the only changes I've seen on the panel. Oh, someone left. Oh, what do we do? Okay, we're gonna make uh, Rod Smith uh, be a commentator. Okay, Kate, you're up on the table, right? Like that's their that's their succession model is react as opposed mm-hmm. to, to to what happens within as opposed to say, hey, what can we do to make it better? Well, and, and uh, just. Uh, sorry, Ben, I, that's no, two people have cut you off, uh, but one extra point on this. <laughs> um, at, at Sportsnet, like with 960, we had a whole lot of meetings talking about how we need to talk more flames. I didn't have one meeting with anyone telling me I need to talk more stamps. But if you give Sportsnet a couple of CFL games, give them the Thursday nighter or whatever the hell, then all of a sudden, uh, Rashmadan, he's doing a whole lot more CFL games than Blue Jays games. And you're seeing Travis Lule and, and like just it's almost literally anything. So Bender, uh, to that point, just getting more eyeballs on this wouldn't and getting more people reasons to care wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we live, we, we live locally in a location, you know, you look at the Calgary flames and know that they're the top team in town, but let's not, you know, mince any words here. They've won one playoff series in 15 years. We are starved to watch a better product, a team that plays in the playoffs, a team that provides a win a championship and look no further than Calgary Stampeders. And, you know, like, like you guys were mentioning, I think, you know, like this, this fall, you know, has anyone ever watched a football game on Amazon prime? A couple people have maybe not a ton. Well, the Thursday night games are all going to Amazon prime and there's probably going to be a new TV cast. There should be a new cast of new people on there. They're going to try and have a great product and they're going to try to get as many people as possible to sign up for Amazon prime so they can watch the game. And, you know, and it's going to be, you know, if they could do that with CBC, with Sportsnet, I don't care, global, whoever, right? Just get an opportunity to get more eyes on the game. Why not? Why not have an opportunity? And if they can say, you know, our Thursday night, the other thing that doesn't make a ton of sense to me with the CFL is just like they do Monday night football, Thursday night football. So you know what time that game is going to be. Never changes. It's the same time every week. But now when it's Thursday night football, well, if it's in Montreal, it might be at, you know, five locally for us in Calgary. If it's in BC, it might be at eight o'clock local time. Well, how many teams on the, or how many people Toronto East are watching a 10 o'clock kickoff on a Thursday night? None. Probably not a ton, right? Yeah. So what does that do for their TV numbers? Not great things. So, you know, it's amazing. You know, we get opportunities. Sometimes they bring in fans, they bring in alumni, and I'll put out little ideas like this. And you look at, you know, people that make a lot more money than probably all of us do, looking at me like, wow, I never thought of that. Wow, I never thought of that. And I'm just scratching my head like, what is your job exactly? (laughs) What do you guys think about? (laughs) Yeah. What, what, what are the opportunities that are ahead of you that you haven't thought about? Because there's $2 billion football enterprises south of the border. You could simply model something very similar around them, and I think you'd have a lot more success than – I mean, not to say the CFL hasn't found success, but as we all agree, there's opportunity for it to grow, and they need to find those opportunities. Uh, guys, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we are running out of time because I'm too cheap to actually pay for a Zoom subscription. Uh, so uh, we will put a pin in this one. I didn't get to gloat about the riders nearly as much as I wanted to, but we fixed the CFL. So I think uh, overall, uh, a pretty positive experience. Uh, guys, thank you very much for doing this. All right, thank you. Thanks, Appreciate man. you having me on.